Welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket. Today, I have the pleasure of hosting Justin Sims. He's the co-founder, president, and COO of CareMesh. He spent the first half of his career in the communications industry and ended up as president of AT&T Global Services, which was AT&T's international division with 4,000 people spread across 46 countries. Then he jumped ship to health technology business 15 years ago and has been innovating in this space ever since. He was the CEO of Voxiva and led the transition of the company from a developing world-focused disease surveillance company to a consumer-focused digital health company launching products like Text for Baby, a mobile service supporting over 1 million pregnant moms, and Text to Quit, a program that helped nearly one-third of a million people quit smoking. Now at CareMesh, he's focused on making it easy for clinical staff to communicate and share patient information with each other digitally. With his background in the consumer-facing side and his experience as president of AT&T and other firms on the consumer-facing side, I think that he's positioned to do just this. Justin, welcome. Well, thank you very much for uh, asking uh, me to participate in this. You know, I think you nailed the, uh, the bio, so why don't we just dive in? Love it. Sounds like a great plan, Justin. So what is it that got you interested in healthcare? <laughs> well, uh, I kind of stumbled in it, I guess. Um, it, it was between high school and university that I found myself in a summer job working in a hospital. Um, I completely loved my time there. It was, it was fascinating. I, I was, um, the job title was ward orderly, but I think in America hmm. you call it janitor. <laughs> and uh, I just loved working in, in the environment, found it exhilarating, uh, exciting. And, and at that moment in time, I decided I want to become a doctor. Uh, unfortunately, organic, organic chemistry didn't love me as much as I thought I loved the profession. Um, and I concluded I wasn't smart enough to become a doctor. So I ended up going into business um, and spent many years in the communications industry, largely helping um, businesses, organizations um, in the rush towards digitization. In fact, you know, every sector um, was focusing massively on digitization except uh, really healthcare. And I couldn't at the time understand how an industry that was, I guess, so rich in science and technology was so poor and backward even uh, in information technology. Um, so, you know, I kind of, I was fascinated by healthcare. I wanted to be part of changing that uh, issue. And when I was offered a job back in 2005, uh, running a, a disease surveillance company, I, I jumped at the chance and have been working in this uh, really exciting, invigorating area ever since. That's brilliant. And uh, yeah, you know, it's, uh, there's a lot of talents that uh, are being employed by the healthcare economy. And Running a business is tough. And so, you know, I, I feel you on the organic chemistry. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, that's killed a lot of uh, aspirations of people uh, in, uh, in healthcare for, for many decades. Yeah. But you know what, though? At the same time, there's a lot of challenges, a lot of real business challenges that need the right minds on them. You've done a great job. Justin, on, on really the, the, the work that you've done in your previous companies, but now at CareMesh, you, you guys are doing something very unique, 
very different that I think a lot of the listeners working in these healthcare environments could benefit from. So tell us what you think is that hot topic that needs to be on leaders' agendas and how are you guys approaching it? Well, I'm not going to talk in, in uh, medical or healthcare mumbo jumbo terms. Um, really, really simply, 20 years after every other industry turned to digital communications, it's time to do the same in the United States health United States healthcare industry. Um, when, when you just step back and look at it in simple terms, coordinating care of patients by paper, fax, and phone calls is just grossly inefficient. And um, I think, uh, I may be wrong on this, but I think it contributes to the burnout that we hear all of the time from doctors. Um, it certainly contributes to medical errors uh, and waste. The fact that this, this uh, coordination of patient care is, is just so human intensive and uh, there's so little reliance on, uh, on technology to support. And, and the truth is there's, there's really no excuse for that. Um, everyone now has EHRs, they have computers and mobile devices. Um, over the last five to 10 years, we've come a long way in terms of standards. So patient records can be exported from EHRs in these formats called CCDAs. And, um, and over the last few years, three or four years, there's been this big move towards the fire-based standards. So um, there, there really isn't an excuse now for us to be continuing to rely on, on paper and fax and phone calls. And, um, and for the record, it, it, it's, it's um, been largely abolished uh, this inefficient form of communication in other in other countries. Um, if you take my home country, um, the, the United Kingdom, uh, the NHS rolled out a system called NHS Net about five or six or seven years ago, and everyone's on it. All doctors communicate with each other freely across a secure um, messaging platform called NHS Net. And in fact, earlier this year, the NHS announced that it was banning the purchase of fax machines in the NHS. Is that right? And it is absolutely right. And they wow. set another goal, which is to abolish the use of fax in the NHS by the, the 31st of March next year, seven months away. Can you imagine abolishing the use of fax in the United States healthcare industry with such a short um, focus? But but it can be done. And, and we um, in Camish are really focused on helping that communications revolution take place, um, moving people um, onto digital communications, helping them find each other through our, our national provider directory, and then just giving them the simple means to communicate, exchange patient records, um, do things um, in, a, in a way in which all other industries have, have migrated towards over the last couple of decades. Well, I think that's uh, an, an impeccable uh, opportunity to, 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 to do this. I mean, by the way, when you said abolish fax machines, I could just, you know, while this isn't live, I could hear all the listeners just cheer. <laughs> well, I, I'm not sure I, I would say all the listeners because fax is a really important part of practice workflows and 
Um, in a way, uh, I think it's all about figuring out how to wean people off the fax machine onto mm. digital communications. And, and what the NHS has done to some extent, um, I think is a bit of a sudden shock for people. Mm. Um, and, and there needs to be a migration path. Um, but yeah, eventually, I mean, can you imagine in 10 years time, um, people listening to this podcast and, and thinking, did people really use faxes 10 years ago <laughs> uh, in the US healthcare industry? But it, it's obviously a mainstay of, of the industry right now. That's a good call out, uh, Justin. Thanks for level setting there. And, and I think it's, uh, I mean, I, I can envision that future, you know, it's uh, from, from patients to, to providers, to payers, the efficiencies that could be gained could be uh, really enormous uh, to outcomes and also bottom line. So I'd love if you could share with the listeners how this is currently working. Uh, and, and what types of improvements you guys have seen by employing these systems? Yeah, well, what, what have I told you that the technology existed right now to let any EHR user fire up the messaging system that, that forms part of any modern EHR system, search a directory that contains information on every single doctor in the country, plus three or four million other people who um, just happen to be registered in that directory that are a clinical staff, and send them a message. That message could be a referral or a discharge summary. They could attach a beautifully formatted patient record. And, you know, in the US, one thing that is, is uh, challenging is moving big images around, DICOM images. Um, what if they could just attach that uh, to this person-to-person -person message that they're composing. And then uh, what if I were to tell you that um, at the receiving end, that message would arrive according to the recipient's preferences. Um, perhaps it would go directly into their own EHR messaging system. A lot of doctors don't want that. A lot of doctors don't utilize that uh, component of their EHR. So instead they might choose to have it routed into a secure mailbox monitored by their assistant or into an app on their iPhone or, or Android device. And then when they actually go ahead and open the message that they've been sent, that includes a patient record uh, attachment, well, what if that um, patient record attachment was um, like something they'd never seen before in terms of, of EHR technology? It, it, it wasn't just tables and grids of, of data that they had to wade through. Um, but instead, it put the most important information at the top of the screen. Um, it let them search the record using Google-style uh, searches. It, it presented data in a familiar format. All, all doctors are trained when they uh, go through med school, and nurses as well, to write down um, CBC, complete blood count, or the metabolic panel, using these things called um, fishbone diagrams. It's basically just shorthand for... Uh, writing down results. What, what if the information was presented um, that way? And, and, and this would basically mean um, if, if that technology which exists today was implemented, a sender would never have to feel guilty for not sending a transition of care for one of their patients when they're discharged from hospital, for example. And they wouldn't have to scurry around looking for fax numbers to send information to. Um, they wouldn't need to worry about if they were using the direct secure messaging protocol or secure email protocol that, that is in use in, in some parts of the, the US industry. 
They, they, they wouldn't need to worry about whether or not it was actually received or read by the recipient. Um, and then the CIO who's worrying about, for example, whether they're meeting their promoting interoperability targets uh, for digital transactions like referrals and transitions in care, um, that they were able to just fire up a report and actually see um, that everything was flowing digitally. And, and all of this exists today. It, um, from from uh, our perspective, it's actually not hard uh, to um, integrate and implement uh, into an EHR workflow. Um, it can be done quickly. In fact, um, if I give you a real, uh, really specific example, um, last December, we got a call from a provider group um, that was really struggling to hit its promoting interoperability target for referrals. Mm -hmm. um, and it was December, the, the year was coming to an end. Um, the reporting period was coming to an end and they told us we've got 20 days to deliver 80% of our referrals digitally. And they'd been achieving about 13%. Hmm. And, uh, and so we, we rushed in, we implemented our solution and we hit 87% of referrals sent in that 20 uh, day period digitally. So it, it doesn't have to be a, a heavy lift. Um, uh, it can be done quickly without um, uh, extraordinary uh, investment by customers, and it can really improve quite dramatically the efficiency within a practice. So, Justin, I mean, this is this is great. I mean, the the ability to communicate digitally is 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 a is a wonderful thing. Why do you think there's been such a chokehold on being able to get it done? Well, I think there are many reasons. Uh, and to some extent, I hinted at, at one of them earlier. Um, uh, clinical practices are difficult to change. And when you mm -hmm. have clinical practices that are um, uh, based upon um, uh, paper-based workflows, then, then yeah, that, that, there's going to be resistance uh, to that. Um, I think another reason that has been hard to change is that there's been this um, belief that um, the solution uh, to this challenge or problem um, is already here. It's, it's called direct secure email. Um, the challenge with direct is only about half of doctors have it. And truthfully, only about 10% of those doctors actually know they have it and know they have a capability uh, to deliver mess messages electronically. Um, and then there's this absence of, of a directory, um, the ability for people to find the person that they want to communicate with and then communicate with them, regardless of whether or not they have an established form of, of digital communication. See, um, everyone wants a solution that, that solves the 100% of the problem, not 37% of the problem. So, <laughs> Um, you know, people aren't going to use their EHR messengers to naturally to communicate with uh, people in the outside world if they can only do it 37% of the time when they know that they can do it 100% of the time through facts. So I think those are some of the contributory factors. I'm really, I'm really curious about this. Uh, and, and thank you for that. I, I appreciate the, the, the lay of the land, so to speak, to understand the problem and why it hasn't been done makes a ton of sense. Let's, let's hone into the national provider directory because that seems like a, like a huge opportunity 
to to enable the communication. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, again, I, I I'm going to go back to the NHS example in the UK when when they laid out their communication strategy, this move to dig, digitization. Uh, they realized that they needed a directory. People weren't going to um, find each other um, uh, by calling them up or sending them a fax saying, "Can you please send me your electronic information?" Um, they, they needed that directory. Um, uh, in, in the US, there is no natural hub for a provider directory. And, uh, and so there are many organizations that create their own. In fact, pretty much everyone uh, creates their own directory. Um, what we've done is we've pulled information together from all of the official um, sources, from NPI, uh, from PCOS, which is Physician Compare, a CMS database from state medical boards, from um, hospitals and provider groups. Um, uh, we've, we've pulled all of that information into um, our directory. Um, we've then transformed it. We've turned everything into fire records. Um, and, um, and then we've put in place a mechanism to constantly keep that information up to date. Um, so this is a, a directory that thousands of times a day actually ends up getting updated by um, one of the, uh, the data feeds. Um, the, the importance of FHIR can't be understated. Um, because it's based on the FHIR standard, it means it can be integrated with already quite a few EHRs that have implemented uh, that standard for, the, for, for their own directories. And it also means that we can offer the directory as a service, not just as a dump of data. In other words, um, the, uh, the EHR or the web application that is reliant on that directory um, doesn't need to download the data um, uh, or the entire database. They can query um, our system through a FHIR query, find the practitioner information, pull it down as a standard FHIR record and then consume and use it. So, so the directory is a really important component of what we do and, and how to solve this communications challenge. Uh, that oh, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's fascinating. And I definitely see the value of, of, of that because if you don't have the person who you're going to send it to, what's the point? And the, the user, like, I guess the user rates are of the secure email, I, I did not know they were so low. Oh, well, uh, um, if, if you look at um, uh, the data that comes out of um, some of the industry bodies, you'd, you'd think that everyone was using direct secure messaging all day long. Uh, a large amount of the messages that are sent through direct are really machine to person. They're, they're automated messages to inform a doctor that there are some new lab results or um, prescription uh, information or ADTs. Um, and that isn't really what the, the original vision behind direct was. The original vision behind direct was a person-to-person -person communication platform. And, um, and for that, you need a real, really powerful um, way of connecting people and, and filling in the gaps where someone doesn't have direct, making sure that um, the sender can still use the messaging interface that they're used to uh, utilizing. So Justin, so just understanding this uh, a little bit deeper, does it matter if, for instance, you know, somebody is on Epic or Cerner, or maybe they're a, 
you know, a, a, a private practice that's on a smaller EHR. How does that work if the EHR is different? Well, so the, the most important thing to understand is that for the sender, we make the experience completely invisible uh, to them. For the sender, instead of um, going into their EHR messenger, mm-hmm. looking up in a directory and trying to find somebody, and, and, they, own, and they have very few uh, practitioners listed in that directory from the outside world, suddenly they see nearly 5 million practitioners in the directory. Uh, and they can select a practitioner and, hmm. and click send. Um, if, if the individual at the receiving end has um, a, a direct messenger, uh, then of course we'll deliver um, the message through, through direct. If they don't, we'll deliver it another way. Um, in 100% of the cases, we'll ensure that we create a digital version of the communication that the recipient can access and access free of, of, of charge. Even if we have to inform them, dare I say it, by fax, the, <laughs> the patient record waiting for them uh, to, to be retrieved. Fascinating. Fascinating. Wow. Uh, so, so, you know, it just, uh, it, it's pretty interesting stuff that you guys are up to. Um, the magic behind the scenes that, that makes it all work is something that if you're a provider, you don't have to worry about it because you know, CareMesh is, is doing this. If you guys remember uh, a little over almost two years ago, uh, we had Dr. Tippett on the podcast. Uh, we dove deep into this and, and two years later, uh, we're revisiting this with Justin because it is just, uh, I mean, the, the progress that has been made by, by CareMesh is, is, is impressive. Uh, and, and so uh, really want to give you and the team over there, Justin, some huge kudos for, for, the, for the massive improvements you've made in such a little time. Well, I, I appreciate that. Uh, you know, two years ago, it was it was very much an idea with a working prototype, and and we've really spent the uh, the, the time to build out a, a very robust and and rounded product. And and you know, we've we've taken some battle scars uh, talking to customers and working with customers, in particular hospitals, um, about how to solve this problem. Many of our assumptions um, about how to address it. Um, proved to be incorrect. So we we had to adjust course and and refine until we came up with a solution that really worked. So tell us about that, Justin. I'd love to hear of a setback that you guys had and what you learned from it. (laughs) Uh, Well, look, if if you're an innovator, you have to get used to failure. Uh, Amen. You've never failed. You've never innovated. Um, Mm -hmm. Anyone that uh, tells you that, uh, you know, they, they defined a solution and uh, built it and it was a rip-roaring success, um, uh, it probably was either very, very lucky or very, very liberal with the truth. Um, I think <laughs> the, the, the secret of, of success for any innovator, by the way, is, is to have a short memory. Uh, <laughs> you know, after every failure, you've got to pick yourself up you do need a memory long enough to figure out what caused the failure and, yes. and then um, forget how you feel, believe in yourself and try again. Um, as to a, a specific uh, challenge, um, I, I'm actually going to go and talk about um, my, my last company for a second or two because I think yeah, it's a, let's hear it. 
person. Um, my last company was called Voxiva. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we built a whole series of digital um, behavioral change programs. One was called Care for Life, and it was focused on diabetes management. And I think it was just plain brilliant. It was, it was so far ahead of anything else that had been uh, done in, in digital diabetes management. Um, it, it was packed full of innovations. Customer, uh, consumers loved it. Uh, people living with diabetes loved it. It had a, a rock-solid randomized controlled study that, that showed the impact on A1C. In fact, it was, it was a whole point percentage point improvement in A1C uh, for people that used the program. But, but here was, here's the issue. We, we couldn't sell it. Um, we, we went to payers and providers, and we thought that we had a value proposition for them because it, it improved um, health outcomes. Um, but the issue we found with it was it didn't address a financial pain point. Mm. And because it didn't address that near-term, short, sharp pain point that the payers and the providers were worrying about, um, we, we couldn't sell it. So in the end, we actually had to grossly simplify the product, strip out a lot of the um, advanced functionality and, and get it focused on improving heaters scores uh, for people living with diabetes, you know, get, get them into uh, their annual retinal eye exam, uh, as an example, or get them to have their A1C checked every, um, every uh, six months. And, and with that, the product actually um, uh, did sell. Uh, it didn't sell as, as, as much as we wanted uh, it to. Um, but nevertheless, that was, you know, my, I guess my everlasting lesson from uh, my long and um, distinguished list of failures um, is, uh, you know, you, as you're developing a new solution in the U.S. healthcare industry, you've got to be able to uh, focus on the financial pain. And, and if you can, um, then uh, the, the, the success will stem from there. I think that's such a great call out, Justin. And as we all sit here and, and think about that, you know, what does that mean to you? How are you addressing that financial pain point uh, efficiently, effectively? You've got to make it easy for people to buy. And, uh, you know, it's one thing to sell, but if you make it easy for them to buy by framing it out in a way that does address that, I think uh, success ensues. Great feedback from, from Justin for everybody to take back to your office to do something about it today. Uh, what would you say is your most proud experience to date? <laughs> well, um, I- I'm only two years into CareMesh. So, um, you know, ask me that question in two or three years' time, and I'll, I'll answer you by saying we-, we managed to solve the communications challenge in the U.S. healthcare industry. Um, but so, but for here and now, I, I think um, uh, that the proudest uh, uh, experience I've had to date was uh, it started about six or seven years ago um, uh, when the company I was running built a, a smoking cessation program. It was called mm. Text to Quit. Mm. And it, it used text messages to guide and encourage people to kick, kick the habit. Um, we ended up teaming up with um, Optum Health. Uh, to offer it uh, and and provide it to um, quite a lot of state quit lines. These are the um, the one eight hundred quit now services that uh, all the states run to encourage them to 
to quit smoking. And we, we enrolled about 300,000 people in the program. Um, now, the Good amount. that I described um, uh, had a randomized controlled study, uh, a pretty large scale one associated with it. And we, we proved that um, the program roughly doubled quit rates. So um, uh, if you extrapolate all of that, of the 300,000 people enrolled in the program, we increased the number of people that quit smoking by about 30,000 people. And if you take 10 years as the average life expectancy you add to someone that quits smoking, uh, we added about 300,000 years of life onto, onto those people's um, uh, life expectancy. So um, I, I'm not sure I'll ever do anything that increases life expectancy <laughs> by quite so much. Um, but what that does demonstrate is the power of digital communications. And uh, you know, you certainly couldn't do that with uh, with paper and fax. Wow, that's meaningful, Justin. Uh, a lot of a lot of life years extended, and uh, lots to be thankful for. But underlying that success is that leap into digital communication, and I love that you're still so hyper focused on that with CareMash, and wow. and uh, excited to learn what you believe is the company's most exciting project that you're focused well, on? Well, cl clearly, you know, we've talked about digital communications, but the, the foundation to that, we, we also talked about the fire directory. Um, we, we knew when we started this that we couldn't solve the digital communications problem without um, having that directory. But it, it's not just a database, it, it's a set of services. Um, one of the key things behind it, we, we figured out that if we wanted to contact every doctor in the country uh, to verify their contact um, information, and um, it took 10 minutes um, to verify each doctor's contact information, um, uh, we, we figured out that we would need 64 people working this for a full year before we had a up-to-date directory Oh, and by the way, um, doctors change their contact information and their, their, um, uh, their places of work very regularly. Maybe 25 or 30% of that would be outdate um, uh, within a year. So one of the things that we decided to do with the directory was not just create the best um, database we possibly could, but also make it so that um, whenever someone wanted to send a communication using information within the directory, we would go through a, an algorithmic way of validating the, um, the strength of the contact information. And if we weren't really, really, really certain that the contact information we had was correct, we'd cue the message and go out and validate the contact information um, ourselves. So that's an example of a directory service that's associated with a directory database. And we, we think that's a really important thing to, again, alleviate the hassle that, that um, clinical staff um, face every day of figuring out who it is that they're trying to communicate with. Um, so, you know, really the directory is, is a core component of, of what we do. Um, uh, the District of Columbia is the first geography where our, our director is now available as part of the DC Health Information Exchange. Basically, all Medicaid providers in the district now have access to it. 
Um, and we're also working with a bunch of EA, uh, of hospitals so that um, going back to the description I, I made earlier of, of our service, um, any EHR user can send referrals and discharges literally to anyone in the country right from their EHR messenger. And again, that, that leverages the directory. And you know, the whole process can also be automated if, if, if necessary. In, in Florida, there is a new law just passed into, uh, into law, signed into law by the governor, I think of, uh, back in July, mm -hmm. um, that requires um, hospitals to inform PCPs when one of their patients is, um, is admitted or discharged from hospital. Um, now, um, the Florida law didn't actually say this is how you um, uh, need to implement this. It just said you've got to figure out how to communicate that information to the PCP. Um, and, you know, traditional ADT services would require the PCP to share with the hospital um, their, their patient panel, their, their master patient index of, of patients. Well, that, that doesn't cut it for this Florida law. Um, they can't, the hospitals can't be reliant on the PCPs providing that information. So instead, um, if they change their intake process to use our directory to ask the patient who their PCP is, we can then deliver the, the um, intake uh, or discharge um, information. Uh, we, we can leverage the directory to push that information directly to the PCP. So it can be done on an automatic basis as well as a, on a peer-to-peer -peer basis. That's very useful, <laughs> especially for the Floridians at this point. Well, and it, it's probably something that will expand elsewhere. It, it, yep. how, can, how can you coordinate the care of patients? How can care teams collaborate with each other um, if, if uh, they don't know that one of their patients has been admitted or discharged from hospital. Hmm. So, I, so I, fascinating. Think a, I think it's a, a trend that we're going to see in other states as well. Yeah, I think that's a good call out. And again, not, not, not uh, you know, pigeonholing the solution to, to this, but it's a great example of, of a lot of uh, applications that this could have. And I mean, it, 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 I, my head just went to like, you know, you go to Yelp and you go to any city, you're, wanting to get access to food or services, the directory is the power of that service with the same, same goes for trying to get information uh, from, from practitioner to practitioner. This directory is, is, is crucial and uh, amazing work that you guys have done to piece it together and, and make it dynamic. Um, Justin, getting close to the end of the uh, interview here, I'd love if we could uh, just go through a couple lightning round questions followed by a book that you recommend to our listeners. <laughs> okay, shoot away. All right. What's the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? Uh, well, it's obvious I'm going to say digital care team collaboration, um, meaning that the, the patient's whole care team should be able to communicate with each other and share information digitally. What's the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? Uh, on that one, I think it's assuming that clinical processes can be easily changed, um, even if that change makes sense. So, so just banning the fax machine isn't going to work. Um, weaning the uh, users off the fax machine, just like I described 
smokers being we weaned off nicotine is is probably uh, a better approach. Great call out. How do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change? Uh, that's easy. Be the innovator. Be the mm. first, uh, just as we are with the the, the nation's first Firebase directory. And focus on the financial pain point, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> While you're the innovator, focus on that financial pain point. Great message there. Uh, and what is the one area of focus that drives everything at CareMesh? Well, I, I think the, the people uh, listening to this podcast will have figured that one out by now. <laughs> it's our directory. Uh, in fact, we, while it's not something that we use externally, we have a slogan internally uh, called directory first. It, it's basically, uh, we, we ask the team to think about the directory uh, in, in, uh, first of all in everything that they do. It's, it's really our North, North Star. Uh, it sort of guides everything that we do. That's brilliant. And, you know, I, I recorded an interview the other day and uh, the guest shared a, a Winston Churchill quote and he said, um, if you have a great point, give it a big, great whack. And once you've done that, whack it again. And when you've done that, just whack it one more time. <laughs> and in the great words of Churchill, I think you've done just that, Justin. <laughs> I, I've never actually heard Churchill use the word whack, but I'll take your word for it. <laughs> and maybe it was a different uh, uh, word, but it, 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 a smack, whack, or a hit, whatever it might be. But uh, <laughs> Oh, um, so what book would you recommend to the listeners, Justin? Oh, they're going to love this one. A printed version of our provider directory. <laughs> <laughs> you got to love that. I guess I'm going to tell you, though, at 35 million pages, it's a bit of a heavy read. Oh, my goodness. Good thing it's digital, right? <clears throat> Absolutely. It'll certainly send you to sleep at night. <laughs> I love it. Justin, uh, before we conclude, I'd love if you could just leave us with the closing thought. And where the listeners could go check you guys out for more information and uh, get in touch. Sure. Well, a, a closing thought. Um, I'm going to encourage um, uh, any of the listeners to uh, go to caremesh.com and uh, take a look at my most recent blog because I think uh, the title kind of encapsulates what we're talking about. The, the title of the blog is is called interoperability without a directory is like blue cheese without celery. Hmm. <laughs> so the two absolutely go nice. hand in hand. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I'd love for people to reach out to me. Uh, you can, of course, reach out to me by fax. At, no, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, you can reach out to me by email at uh, justin at caremesh.com. And I'd, I'd welcome those contacts and I'd welcome anyone uh, who wants to challenge me on some of the things I've been saying today. I love it, Justin. Hey, I really appreciate that, uh, that humorous note here at the end. And uh, folks, uh, hope you took a lot from this, but it's not the end. Reach out to CareMesh, find out how you could improve your communications. And Justin, just want to give you a huge thanks for joining us today. Oh, thank you, Saul. It's, it's been a pleasure. 